Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. If this is your first time, we want to give a special welcome to you and say thanks for checking us out. And we certainly hope this isn't your last time. And then we want to say welcome to you if this is your spiritual home. But together we are celebrating Palm Sunday. And it's that uh, first uh, Sunday uh, of this week that we call the Passion Week, Holy Week, where we uh, celebrate once again all that Jesus offers. Today he goes into Jerusalem, we celebrate that as a triumphal king. And then by Friday, we lean into his death. And, and then on Sunday next week, we celebrate the resurrection and all that that brings to us as his people. When we think about what this all brings us as we live our lives each day here, there's a couple things I want to make you aware of. First, on the 23rd, we are serving again the meal at St. Luke's Point of Grace. And we'd like to bless our neighbors as they come and to receive that meal. And so one of the things we're going to invite you to be a part of is we're going to be collecting some healthcare items. And actually, we'll make it really simple. We'll do the shopping for you. If you'd like to be a part of that, we want to give a small hygiene kit. The cost is about $5. You can click on the Give button above, and it'll open up a dialog box, and you can uh, put the dollar amount in that you'd like to support. And then uh, we'll bless others with your generosity, and so grateful for that. And then we also want to make you aware that there is this matching grant opportunity that our Presbytery is providing to have an impact on what's going on in Ukraine and they are partnering with a ministry that's in uh, Romania just across the border, but they work specifically with children. And many of those that have been displaced by the war that's going on there are young people. And so uh, we want to be able to minister to them in a very positive way. And so it's really cool that our presbytery is offering a dollar for dollar match. We invite you to be a part of that. And again, you can click on the give button up above and you can uh, make your gift via that online platform. It's, it's a blessing that we can stand with those people by uh, supporting that ministry. And I'd like to just give you an update too from Pastor Sergey, our friend who works for Far East Broadcasting Company. He's been out and about in a village near the Kiev region where a school was destroyed and they were able to bring some humanitarian aid to the people of this small village and had a chance to hear from one of the teachers there of a school that was destroyed. So check out what happened there. We are in one of uh, remote villages of uh, Kiev region. All of you know about Bucha and Irpin, but there are countless villages and towns that were hit by Russian troops. Behind me is one of kindergartens in one of these villages. This kindergarten was built just a few years ago and uh, renovated a few years ago. And now Russian uh, uh, world has come and destroyed everything. And uh, behind me you could see destroyed uh, elementary school in this village. And uh, let me introduce one of uh, one of uh, women of this uh, area. She will tell you more. Greetings to you. My name is Hanna, and uh, we are in Ukraine in a village that is called Sitniki, Kiev region. And uh, here you could see our kindergarten, and there is also our school. So our kindergarten and school was bombarded by Russian troops. And 
and these buildings were renovated by us a few years earlier and we hope to renovate them again. And I would like to show you several pictures from our village. So this is a place where, where our children uh, slept in our kindergarten. A few months earlier, our children peacefully slept here. As we think about all that's going on there in that region and all the displacement and all the hurt and the brokenness and just the pain that those amazing people are going through, we want to take a moment this morning and pray for them specifically. So pray with me. God, we do pray for our Ukrainian brothers and sisters. We pray your presence into all that's going on there. Uh, we don't understand the, the disconnect and the, all that, that's there in terms of the war and the strife, that your Holy Spirit would be present with the leadership there, political leaders, to bring about a ceasefire and to bring about uh, to peace. And we just pray it in your strong name. Amen. So there's a lot of questions that we all have, especially as we think about going into this season, whatever the future holds for so many of us, right? I mean, there's many questions we have. And we know that when we ask the right questions, it helps us to plan out a good life. But sometimes I think when we ask questions, we also miss more important questions, if you will. So today what I want to do as we celebrate Palm Sunday is I want to give you four questions that I want you to ponder. And these aren't just important questions for the future, but they're also very important questions for where we are right now today. And so I'm curious, have you ever experienced a point in your life where you just wanted something different, perhaps, but you were not exactly sure what different should look like. Well, I think sometimes in our rush to experience or feel something different, we forget to ask the right questions, to find the right kind of change or the direction for our lives. We're in such a hurry most of the time, we move quickly to a new activity or to a new plan or to a new action, and we start doing instead of taking time to pause and reflect. So it's interesting, I wanna share a video to help bring, just bring awareness of what the world thinks about who Jesus is. We're out here on the streets today and we're asking people the simple question, who is Jesus? Jesus was a vessel. Well, Jesus is, you know, the Holy Spirit. He's the Son. Like Son of God, like the Bible tells, like the resurrection and all that stuff. I that's a really great question. I think it's also a really loaded question. Um, and I can't say I definitely have the answer. Jesus is some important person inside Christianity. He is the Son of God. They say Jesus would have made a good Buddha. I know a lot of people like follow him and like they, you know, pray to him and everything. I totally respect that. But to me personally, not that much. I've never met him, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I know a fair amount about Jesus. Again, back when I was a child, um, seemed like a good dude. I mean, he seemed to be a pretty stand-up Jewish man. Him and Mary Magdalene had something going on there. I'm not really sure what. Do you think it would surprise Jesus that so many of these people don't know him? Wow, that's a question that I haven't really like thought deep into because I am more like I think about God more than I think about Jesus himself. 
Jesus, uh, I believe, was his son, came down to earth, became uh, a man just like us, and died for us for our sins. He's like an imperfect person. He's maybe just like us. He must be his son for real. You just have to believe in God, really believe in the Bible, as if you were reading Harry Potter. Yeah, I would say he's just a guy. Like, I believe that he probably existed. I don't think he was like the son of God or anything, but. It's kind of the, the mix between like the all being and the human. He's a man, right? Because he's the son. And yeah, like he came here and helped us get, you know, forgive for our sins. But everything that I base around is always my mind goes straight to God. I finally surrendered my life over to Jesus uh, on March 7th of this year. Um, you know, when you're at your rock bottom, Jesus is that rock at the bottom. It's interesting in this video, the many different views of who Jesus is. But the reality is, is that people need to know who the real Jesus is. They need to know that he's not just an idea, but that he's an actual person and that he offers hope and that he is love. And so as we think about this day, I want us to look at uh, Palm Sunday as we look in the scriptures here. It's an event that's described in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's where Jesus makes it what we call a triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And it's during the last week of his life. And so as we do this, uh, we're going to take a little time to pause and think about our own answers to some very important questions. And I would actually say they're life-changing questions. Now the palm, in Palm Sunday, refers to the palm branches that the crowd laid down along Jesus' path as a symbol. It was a tribute to who he was. This act shouted to everyone that this man was special. He was someone special. But hear what Matthew says in chapter 21, verses 1 through 3. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. I'd love to know the story of the donkey's owner. Did he willingly give the donkey to these two disciples? What would you say if two guys walked up to you and said, give me that bike? And when you said, but it's my bike, they'd say, the Lord needs it. Would you just say, oh, okay, here you go. I'm not sure that's what I would say. I know it's an interesting question, right? But it's not one of the four that I want us to look at. Let's continue here. In verses 4 and 5 of chapter 21, Matthew says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, this is a prophecy, and it's an actual quote from an Old Testament book called the book of Zechariah. It's in chapter 9, verse 9. The Jews who were listening, who had studied the Old Testament their whole lives, would have recognized Jesus saying this as a fulfillment of that Old Testament prophecy. We might think, why did Jesus ride a donkey? A horse is so much cooler, right? Well, in that culture, in the ancient Near East, a donkey was a symbol for peace. A horse was an animal of war. Jesus rode into town on a donkey to show that he had come in peace. Continuing here now in verses 6 through 9, he says, The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! 
Hosanna in the highest heaven. This word Hosanna is a Hebrew expression that's translated save now. This act of the laying down of the garments and the waving the branches is something that was seen as something for high royalty only. And yet here these people, they're recognizing that Jesus is who he said he was. He is their savior. And on this Palm Sunday, it brings us to this very first question. And so here in verses 10 through 11, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So here's the first question. It's the question of importance. Who is this? Who is this Jesus? For, for life to have real meaning, this is the question that has to be answered. Unlike the scripture we just read, this crowd can't answer it for you. You see, you've got to answer this question for yourself. Unlike other religions, you're not born into faith in Jesus. A lot of people think because they were born in America that that makes them a Christian, but that's not true. It's no more true than if you were born in a Starbucks that makes you a Frappuccino, right? So who is this Jesus to you? Is he a good teacher? Is he a con who has fooled people for 2,000 years? Or is he who he said he was? Is he God in the flesh? I'm going to guess that about 75% of us have answered this question. Not everyone, because I'm sure there's people who are watching. Uh, maybe you're just checking this thing out. Maybe the very title, Who Is This?, has got you sort of curious. Or maybe you're a person who's watching and it's like, oh, made a mistake, I shouldn't have stopped here. But you see, if that's you, either one of these, uh, I just want you to relax for a moment because I'm not trying to be religious either. Uh, the question, who is this, is a question that's been asked uh, for the last 2,000 years after Jesus' death. Because you see, Jesus is the most revered person to have ever lived, and he is worthy of your investigation. If you haven't answered that yet, I want to encourage you to lean in and to give it some considerable thought and to know that we're here to help you unpack that. You can reach out to me at Tom at lindenroad.church if you have some questions. I'd love to help you on that journey. You see, it's a really important question. And in fact, I want to say that it's, it is actually the good life you want to live hinges on the answer to this question, who is Jesus? We first have this important question, who is Jesus? And then the second question is a question of desire. Am I really drawn to something different? You see, in your heart of hearts, are you really drawn to live differently? Do you think differently? And what about loving differently? Because you see, that's what Jesus requires. Jesus calls his followers to be different. And I would understand it if you said no to being different. Different can be scary. Different actually takes courage. Being the same is comfortable. Same is warm and it's safe. But this desire I'm talking about is about this gut feeling that's deep down within you that says, I want something different for my life or for my faith, for my relationships and for my future. Again, I go back to our friend, Pastor Sergey, that I mentioned at the beginning of our time. I'm just so impressed by his willingness to lean into this time of uncertainty. Here's a man who, before uh, the war in the Ukraine some five weeks ago, he had a YouTube channel, but it was filled with his messages. And now he has become an international broadcaster that's broadcasting the hope of what can happen when God's people push through the trials of being in a place like a war-torn country like Ukraine. 
it's just amazing to me to see the difference that he's making and the encouragement that he's offering. And if you haven't followed him yet, I'd encourage you to follow him on Facebook. So like him, I, I believe that we want our life to matter. And, and yet at the same time, it won't happen by accident. It begins with a desire. It begins with the desire to be different. I think for a lot of people, one of the reasons we don't consider Jesus' call to follow him as something that's wild is because many times we see Jesus as being just a tame person. Jesus is attractive, and he is magnetic in his personality. He's winsome, and he's challenging, and he's also transforming. And yet Jesus isn't weird. Christians are the ones that are weird, right? There's a bumper sticker I've seen that says, Jesus, please protect me from your followers, right? So I want to say this, don't be fooled. Jesus isn't weak or wimpy with a message that's easy to follow. Jesus' teaching was head-snapping. He blew people away with what he called them to do. It was revolutionary. Just take a moment here and let's scan through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 through 7 where he says things like this, don't point out the speck in another's eye, deal with the log in your own, or do to others what you'd like them to do to you. Or don't store up treasures here, store up treasures in heaven. Use your resources to impact others. You've heard it said before, don't murder, but I say, the anger in your heart is killing people. You've heard it said before, don't commit adultery, but I say, the lust in your heart is adultery. If someone slaps you, offer the other cheek too. If someone sues you for your shirt, give them your coat too. You see, the way of Jesus isn't easy at all. It's actually very radical. So again, in Matthew chapter 7, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So this is the route the world offers. Being the same as everyone and aligning ourselves with the world's values. That's very easy to do. And it's like walking through the wide gate. But you see, following Jesus is not the easy route. If you've been walking in the world's way and you'd like to shift towards following Jesus' path, a way to begin shifting your desires is to start praying something like this. God, I desire you. I desire to live your ways. I desire to reflect you today. I desire your will and whatever you bring my way. Amen. If you pray these words before you get out of bed, before you start your day, before you engage in social media and leaning into everything else, before you get busy with the other distractions of a normal day, if you prepare your heart with words of desire, you see, it, that's where it starts. It starts with desire. So the question of desire is going to impact your decisions. So our first question was, it's a question of importance. Who is this? Jesus. And then question two, is it a question of desire? Am I really drawn to something different? So let's take a look at the third question, a question of decisions. Am I really willing to follow? This is not only a huge question we need to answer, it's also a question we have to ask every day. So let's consider our options. I can follow my way, which is my agenda or plan, or I can follow his way, which is his agenda. Here's why this is, can be a difficult question. Because you know what? I love my agenda. Why? Because of the key word, it's my. It's my ideas. My ideas are good. My plans are exciting. My thoughts and my jokes or attempts at such are interesting and funny. How I want my life to turn out is magical, right? My comfort is really important to me. The life I've mapped out for myself is sweet. 
See, the reason that following Jesus is difficult is because of my selfishness. Anyone willing to admit that you're selfish? Yeah, that's all of our stories, right? And yet we don't want to admit it because it's always about me. Uh, and that's the thing we struggle with. And yet it's interesting. It's one of the ways we know that we're growing spiritually is when we find ourselves being less selfish, when we take the interests of others and put it in front of our own. When you used to be a 10 on the selfish scale and you're now a 9 or an 8 or a 7, and actually you're, you're moving in the right direction of less selfish, this is, means that something's taking place inside of you. It's the Spirit of God is doing His work to transform you and, and to transform your selfish character into a more or less selfless character. And when you follow him closely, you're going to become more like him. Now, this is a hurdle for a lot of people in their spiritual journey because that's a difficult thing to get over. This may be shocking to some of us, but God isn't waiting to heap his blessings and power into your plan for living. What God is doing is he's waiting for us to courageously escape our selfish agenda and make decisions that follow or align with what he wants for us. That's what God blesses our obedience. It's interesting, Jesus was teaching about money and possessions and worry, and he made it very clear that he's got it under control, and we'd be wiser to make him our primary concern. I love the message version here of Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. He says, If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting your agenda so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. You see, God's blessing is waiting for those who make decisions to put him first. This blessing might not come in the form of what you want, your agenda, but it will come. It will come in those things that God wants to do in and through you. Because he promises to meet our needs day by day. Not our wants, but our needs. And it's all about putting him first. So let's get practical here. What does this look like in the real world? Well... When Jesus says, follow me and serve others, but your agenda is to be comfortable and serve yourself, what's your decision? Or when Jesus says, follow me and forgive that person who has wronged you and your plan is to get revenge, well, what's your decision? Or when Jesus says, follow me and be generous and your agenda is to gather and gain more to support your comfort, what's your decision? Most of the pain and the heartache and the messiness that I've experienced in my life points back to choosing my way over the ways of Jesus. And then I'm crazy enough to act surprised when my way slams me into a dead end. So here's what I've been learning. Here's what I've been learning, is when the question of desire and the question of decisions are met with yes answers, it typically results in devotion. Look at it here, there's a formula that desire plus decisions equals devotion. And it's that that leads to our fourth and the final question I want us to look at is, is the question of devotion. What gets your primary attention? It's really simple to me. When my answers to questions two and three are yes, 
my primary attention is given to Jesus. Because they're not true yes answers, the answer is different. And the answer to this question is usually obvious. It's seen in our desires and our decisions. For me, I want to be a devoted to Jesus, not devoted to Christianity or to religion or even the idea of attending church. I want to be devoted simply to Jesus and who he is. I want to walk with him, to be filled with God's spirit, to be in tune with and connected to and led by him. For me, if I'm not led by him, I ask myself the wrong questions. I can ask 100 good questions about my life, my future, my purpose, but when I'm not connected to Jesus, I miss the important questions. So here's what I wanna say as we wrap up. Don't miss these big questions. These are really important. And as a pastor who wants to help people find themselves in a deeper relationship with God, I want you to spend some time with these questions. And as you look at this list, you can actually save it here to your desktop or your phone or to your tablet just by clicking on the link here in the worship notes. I want you to ponder them a little later today and maybe in the week ahead to ponder what is your personal answer to these questions. First, who is Jesus? Second, do you really desire to be different? Three, are you really willing to follow him? And then finally, what are you currently devoted to? What's getting your primary attention? And so as you lean into these questions and in the week ahead, let me pray for you. God, thank you for these truths. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are and for having come. And as we celebrate this Palm Sunday, may we see all that you have to offer us. May we understand your desire for us and your love for us. And may we see ourselves fulfilled in the purposes you've called us to. And we pray it in your strong name. Amen. I was there that day. There were so many people there, but it wasn't that. Jerusalem, what a city it is for people and crowds. And it wasn't even the procession, the parade. These last two years, there have been so many parades, trails of stumbling, lisping, broken, drooling people rolled, pushed, carried, slung, hoisted to him. Yeshua. No one would dare to believe in healing, except it was happening to everyone, even the sorriest among them. Everyone became like newborn, legs straightened and muscles strung right. Women who were mute, now they are singing and adding a little dance too. And crippled men are running and leaping. So, yes, we've been watching these parades for many months now. But this time, they finally saw who he was. Everyone ran to pull down branches from the trees, which means victory, triumph, when was the last time we were victors of anything? And we all took up our cloaks, our outer robes, and just laid them at his feet and at the feet of the donkey he was riding. We knew what we were doing because 
Finally, we all saw it. He was the king. He was the one we've been waiting for since, since we were a people. And the singing, everyone was happy. We are not, we have not been happy people. But this day, Hosanna, Hosanna. Children singing and old men, my grandpa, the young mothers, everyone. Cheering, laughing, shouting, Hosanna. And you know what Hosanna means, yes? It means, please save us, save us. Finally, a king to lead us, to lead our people. We can be a nation again, not servants and slaves to the Romans. And we said, we turned to one another. All my friends, my neighbors, my cousins, we were all standing and shouting together. And we said, we will follow him anywhere, even into battle. But we didn't. We could not guess what would happen next. And if we had, no one would have been there that day. But I saw it. How those same people, not all of them, but some of them, my neighbors, my relatives, my uncle and cousins, they were there just days later. How many days? They were shouting again, just yelling this time, not singing and not waving palm branches, but waving their fists and shouting, crucify him. How did this happen? From, oh, save us our king, our king, to crucify him, blasphemer. How? But maybe I know. They wanted a king, a man king, who acted like a god. They didn't want a king who was God. They never really wanted God at all. I wonder how many of us want God to enter our world and become king over our lives. We think foolishly that we will give up too much. But here's what I know now. That day of singing and celebration and triumph was true and real, more real and more true than anybody ever knew. Hosanna! Praise to the king! Oh, save us! We shouted. And then, very quietly, through lashes and fists and nails, he did. <laughs>